welcome back to the Marvelous Duo. Woo! Season two, here we come. Yes, phase two. We are starting with Iron Man 3, which was released in 2013, the same year as Thor The Dark World. Yes, but this one was released first, hence doing it first. Yes. Oh, what a movie to come back on. <laughs> right. Uh, so this main, the whole, I think, like, the theme of this movie is that it's like Tony coming to terms with, does the man make the suit, or does the suit make the man? Yeah, that is kind of the whole point of this movie. It is the question that was that was poised, and it was completely unnecessary. And this was also a Paramount Pictures film. Yes, so that one was actually mm, kind of interesting. This movie was made after Disney purchased the rights to... Uh, make the Marvel movies actually after they purchased Marvel Studios but in the contract Paramount was still listed even though Disney had the distribution rights Paramount was listed on this movie and on the Avengers but not Disney just because of the contract that was written up but this is the last movie to show Paramount because after this it was Disney doing the distributions this is also the first movie that we have a scene before the logos because it jumps right into Tony's narration and a preview scene of like all of the suits blowing up. And it's also the last movie with the original uh, Marvel Studios intro. Also, the music in this movie, I feel like the music in most Iron Man movies are on point. Like they are all really good songs. Yeah, another fun fact about the music, uh, you are just really leading me on here. It's great. You're you're giving me setups, and I am taking those spikes. This is the first Iron Man movie, really the only Iron Man movie, that does not feature a song by ACDC. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. So we do open up kind of on a flashback after we get the scene of all the Iron Man suits blowing up. Uh, we get to see a little bit of Tony's past, which is important. So we go to New Year's Eve, Bern, Switzerland. In 1999, we also see that Tony is trying to get in the pants of this lady, uh, who we find out later her name is Maya. Maya Hansen. So he's actively pursuing Maya Hansen, who is a botanist. But we also see in this flashback that Jensen and Killian are in this scene. Yes, in the first Iron Man, when Jensen is helping Tony... He mentions that they have met before, and this movie shows them meeting for just a couple of minutes as Jensen introduces Tony to Dr. Wu, who was the, the speaker at this party that they were at, or one of the speakers. Dr. Wu is actually much more prominent in the Chinese release of this movie. There, there is more to that story that is not gone into in the American version. But we also get hit hard with the 90s nostalgia in this scene. Because they open up with blue. We also um, see Happy with a Mullet. <laughs> yes, Happy with a Mullet, which might actually be a reference to the fact that Tony Stark in the comics and the cartoons of the 80s and 90s sported a mullet. That's funny. Yeah. So Killian in this scene, who he is the, the bad guy in this movie, but when we're first introduced with Killian, we see that Tony made him the bad guy. Uh, he's this nerdy, nerdy little guy that's not very attractive that uh, Tony kind of spurns. He walks with a limp and a cane and is trying to get Tony to help 
with a think tank that he is creating. Advanced Idea Mechanics. Yes, Advanced Idea Mechanics, or AIM, which is not what AIM is in the comics. It is not a think tank. It is a terrorist group that splinters off from Hydra. Interesting. And the reason why Maya Hansen is so important is because she is working with something called Extremis, uh, which is healing access through the brain. But unfortunately, there is a glitch in this thing, in the Extremis, that makes the items that it's exposed to explode, which is bad. Yeah, which is why she tells Happy not to not to break a leaf off of her plane. He then does, and it explodes, and Happy freaks out and jumps on Tony to protect him from <laughs> Y2K, because... Happy is terrified of Y2K. Yeah, because everyone thought the world was going to end. Basically. Because uh, even by then, everyone was dependent upon computers. Yeah. So then we are flash-forwarded to Malibu, California, where Tony lives. Um, and he is working on Mark 42 of the Iron Man suit, which we found out later. Uh, Tony is not sleeping very well at all. It's hinted at very much in the very beginning. But I actually didn't notice it until it's later called out that Tony has PTSD and anxiety. But even Pepper makes a comment. She goes, what are you on now? Mark, you know, 10. And Tony's like, ha ha, yeah. And he like, it, it shows a clip of the Mark 42. So Tony is working through his panic attack and anxieties by making more Iron Man suits. Yeah, it's a, it's a coping mechanism for him. But the Mark 42 is important because he has implants that he has put in his body that control the suit. And it's a prototype, so we get that whole scene of unnecessary superhero landings. and Yeah, as he, as he tests it out and gets it on. Then, we are introduced to the villain of, of the movie. The Mandarin. Yes, with the Ten Rings, which, fun fact about that, you know, we had the Ten Rings in the first Iron Man movie with, I think, I think the leader's name is Rava or something like that. The ring that he wears in that movie is actually the ring that the Mandarin wears on his pinky ring because we get shots of the Mandarin and he does wear 10 rings, which for fans of the comics, we, we know the Mandarin as being a much different figure than he was in this movie. And those 10 rings are actually extremely important, but they're not necessarily in this iteration. They are just the, the 10 rings is the name of the terrorist group that the Mandarin leads. Which the United States does not deal with terrorists. So President Ellis puts Iron Patriot on it, a.k.a. they rebranded War Machine to seem more patriotic. So they renamed him Iron Patriot. Yes. Uh, and Rhodey gets to wear the suit, which is nice. Yeah, they, they keep Rhodey in there. One thing, when they first show the rebranding of War, War Machine into Iron Patriot, there is like a news article that's flashed on screen really quickly. And underneath the picture of Iron Patriot. It shows that the rebranding was done by AIM, which is said outright later on, but unless you're paying attention and in that first introduction scene, you do not realize until later on there, when it is outright said. They're really good at foreshadowing in these movies. Marvel is very good about putting in little tiny details that give you the ending of the movie, essentially, or major betrayals if you're paying attention. But if you're not paying attention, which I'm not most of the time because there's so much to take in in Marvel movies. Like, we stopped this when you were watching it and you pointed out, you were like, wait a minute, and you rewound it and we're like, oh, look at that. And I was like, I did not see that at all. Yeah, re rewatching for this podcast has definitely opened up a lot of things about these movies. A lot of things that I didn't notice before. Even just looking up facts about it, there are things that even watching through I still didn't notice. Like, the Mandarin has a Captain America shield 
tattooed on the back of his neck, but instead of the star in the middle, there's an anarchy A. So like they, they really went into a lot of details with these. Yeah. But we also see more of the fact that Tony is not sleeping and Jarvis and he have a conversation because Tony has an anxiety attack and he freaks out and he's like, what's happening? And Jarvis is like, that would be a panic attack. <laughs> Because he goes out to eat with Rhodey and they're discussing the rebranding of the war machine and Tony's making fun of Rhodey and being like, it was stupid, the rebranding, Iron Patriot sounds lame. And a little kid comes up to Tony and asks for a signature, I believe. Yeah, there's two kids. One of them asks for him to sign a crayon drawing that she has of the attack of on New York. And then the other one, which Tony makes a crack about, he liked him in Christmas Story because the kid looks like Ralphie from Christmas Story. Which, another fun fact, the actor that played Ralphie in A Christmas Story not only executive produced Iron Man 3 and a couple of other Marvel movies, he plays the scientist in the first Iron Man movie that tells Obadiah Stane that they can't shrink the arc reactor, who Obadiah Stane then yells at and says Tony Stark made it in a cave with a, bro a box of scraps. That scientist, who does return later on, we'll get to it, that actor is the one that played Ralphie. That's funny. So the fact that he he's referencing him in that scene is sort of just kind of a connection to that. But then, yes, Tony has a panic attack. Because he's got PTSD. He, he has flashbacks of the war, the Battle of New York, where he flew up into the wormhole and he... he he thought he was gonna die. Like, he was fully prepared to die to close this wormhole. And Tony still has nightmares about it. That's why he can't sleep. So Tony has a panic attack and flees back outside to his Iron Man suit. Which he parks with the motorcycles. Yeah, he parked it next to uh, all the motorcycles. But... One thing that I did point out during this scene when we were watching it is I feel like there's a direct connect with the theme of this, does the man make the suit or does the suit make the man? Anytime that Tony's not in the suit, I feel like he flees to the suit for safety when he does have those moments. And the suit, the identity of Iron Man, I feel like is a security blanket for him. We also find out that Pepper is still running Stark Industries and Happy has been promoted to the head of security, which he takes his job way too seriously so very very seriously he is he's is paranoid honestly but we see pepper going about her duties she actually has a meeting with aldridge killian yes and killian introduces extremists which in this scene i was like wait that was that girl's idea right what yeah. happened that he, he name drops because he also was talking to maya hansen in that flashback but aldridge also had a, had a glow up he turns from long stringy hair bad glasses bad uh, teeth really bad, bad teeth. teeth kind of hunched shoulder walks with a limp and a cane guy pierce to guy pierce that we all know and love beautiful specimen of a man yes and he got the hots for pepper oh for sure yeah he tries to <laughs> the scene where Killian shows Pepper the inside of the human brain, which is also his brain. Well, Happy is talking to Tony and trying to explain what he's seeing. And he's like, he's showing her his big brain, Tony. He, you need to get over here. So Pepper does turn Killian down. Yes, and I, I think it's cool that we see that Pepper is very discerning. Like, yeah, what he's saying is really cool, but she also immediately recognizes that this, this has potential to be a very bad thing and we don't necessarily want to 
buy into that. She she realizes that there is the opportunity for someone to weaponize this, and that's not what she the direction that she wants Stark Industries to go in because it's already been down that path from Iron Man one, and that's not the direction that Stark Industries wants to go. Yeah. So Pepper comes home to Tony. And we see that Tony still isn't sleeping. He finally, they go to bed. And with the Mark 42 suit, uh, because it's controlled by his implants, Tony has a night terror. And the suit responds to it. And the suit actually grabs Pepper in the middle of the night, thinking Pepper's a threat because Tony's having this night terror. And it's very reminiscent of when soldiers come back from the war and they've got PTSD and they wake up in the middle of the night and possibly cause harm to their spouse, not knowing. It's very similar to that. It's it's a lot of trust breakage in that moment. It's a lot of being vulnerable. Obviously, Pepper's upset. Uh, Pepper leaves. She goes to sleep on the couch. And her and Tony, I don't say they break up, but they very much are having problems. And Tony needs to work his stuff out. Because he's not doing anything about it other than making suits. He's not going to a therapist. He's not. But also, how do you start that therapy session? So, I saved the world multiple times. The aliens are real. <laughs> Let's talk about that. That's kind of what this is. is just flashbacks for him. Yeah. Uh, showing, like, telling what happened. So, in, in the course of Happy taking his job too seriously, he sees that there's this really sketchy guy that comes with Killian when Killian comes to talk to Pepper. And so Happy decides to follow this man and sees that there's some sketchy activity going on. Happy assumes that it's like drug dealage happening, uh, but we see that this guy that was with Killian, he he glows red, and um, the guy that he just gave some, not drugs, but something to, uh, the guy takes it and the guy also starts to glow the same red, and then he explodes, very similar to the plant yeah. and extremists. Yep. Um, and Happy is unfortunately hospitalized. Yes. One thing that is kind of cool about this scene is that it happens at the uh, Chinese theater in Hollywood. And the guy that explodes, when he is sitting on that bench, he is actually sitting right next to the star and handprints for Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, Happy just... He gets in real deep, real quick, and almost gets killed. Which sets Tony into a rage. Yes. Um, and Tony, that's when Tony... Because up until this point, they assume all these quote-unquote bombings, very similar to what happened with Happy, which we know now are not bombings. They're people trying this experimental drug and then exploding, which we know is di directly correlated to extremists. They just haven't outright said it yet. No one's put that together yet. But... They assume all of these bombings are due to the Mandarin, who he has taken credit for them. So Tony feels the need to call out the Mandarin and gives him his address in Malibu, California. And basically is like, bring it on. I'm Iron Man. Yeah, after, after visiting Happy in the hospital, where we find out that Happy's favorite show is Downton Abbey, which was <laughs> actually an idea uh, proposed by Jon Favreau. Who is an is a fan of the series? I was gonna say because John Favreau likes Downton Abbey. Yeah, which f fun fact about that? In the scene that they show of Downton Abbey, uh, the actress on screen, Jessica Brown Findlay, she actually auditioned for the role of Sharon Carter in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. 
she was considered for it, but then it eventually went to the actress who plays that role now, whose name I do not know. Cool. We then see that Maya Hansen shows up at Tony's house, and she says from the get-go that she needs help figuring out the solution to the extremist problem, because obviously people are still exploding. He doesn't know that it's people that are exploding, but... She comes to him and said, you solved, you almost solved this drunk New Year's Eve in 1999. I need you on this. You left and you almost solved this. I need you to come with me and be a part of this and work with me. And Tony's, Tony's not interested. He, uh, he's trying to get Pepper to be okay with him. And he and Pepper are fighting. Pepper wants to leave. Pepper's like, you're an idiot. Pepper has packed her bags and is in the process of leaving. Right. It, like, it is very obvious in this scene that she's working with AIM, just because of the mention of extremists earlier on, but then also what she's saying, if you pay attention, it's fairly obvious that that's who she's working with. But it's in the midst of the other two talking over each other and her, and, like, everybody's talking at once, and it makes it difficult to notice if you're not paying attention to what she's saying. It also makes it difficult to notice that there are helicopters with rockets uh, shooting rockets at Tony's house. So they notice a little bit too late that there are rockets headed towards their house in Malibu. On a cliffside. Who builds a house on a cliffside? Rich people, that's who. Yep. And uh, Tony actually uses the Mark 42 to protect Pepper, which is like the coolest scene ever because there's debris flying everywhere. Like you've said before in previous episodes, Tony's first thought is always Pepper. Yes. Is always Pepper. And it's, it's interesting that in... In this one, it is not even, I need the suit so that I can protect Pepper. It is he literally sends the suit to protect her. Like, he is not even protecting himself with it. Right. We also see that Tony is incredibly resourceful and creative in this fight scene that continues because once Pepper has the armor on, Pepper goes and grabs Maya and gets to safety. But Tony uses a piano to take out one of the helicopters. He... Uses, I think he's in, is he in one of his suits? He's not in the suit yet. I think he has, like, the hand. So he's got the the repulsor blaster. Yeah, and um, he shoots a piano. At through a helicopter. It, yeah, and it takes it out. Yeah. And so we see that all of the suits and his very nice fancy cars and the arm cranes. Yes. They're all being destroyed and... It's that, that scene is so sad because one of the arm cranes is like reaching out towards the other to try and save it. It's very dramatic and very sad. The emotional um, connection to this arm crane is ridiculous. Yes. Basically, the house is destroyed and falls off into the ocean. Tony is taken down with the house and sinks to the bottom of the ocean. And we think he's going to die. But he, he juts out at the very last second. Jarvis kind of takes control. Yeah, uh, there's actually an earlier scene that where he's using S.H.I.E.L.D.'s recreations of the explosion site till he is able to figure out the, like, he notices the dog tags that Happy was pointing at. It's a lot of fringe science mumbo-jumbo, but then he starts looking at other explosion sites, finds one that matches the, the heat signature in, um... It's like Rose Hill, Tennessee, something like that. But he makes a flight plan for Tennessee. So then when he almost dies, Jarvis just flies him to whatever the, the last flight plan was. Which everyone assumes he's dead. Like, no one saw Tony escape. Pepper probably thinks he's dead, which he does rectify that 
almost immediately because as soon as he gets to a point he calls he calls Pepper and yeah. leaves her a voicemail in Jarvis in the helmet. Yeah, in one of the helmets which she sees the blinking light and it's it's cool that it's in the helmet, so it's like the only way for her to get it is by putting a helmet on, but that means that she's the only one that can get that message. Right. So Jarvis takes Tony to Tennessee, and Tony wakes up and he's like, why are you taking me to Tennessee? That is very far from where I would like to be. And Jarvis is like, sorry, bud. I'm just doing what I was told. And then once Tony crash lands, um, Jarvis actually powers down. And so Tony is alone. And then he makes his way to a town where he breaks in to someone's garage and uh, basically passes out on the couch that's in the garage. And that is where Tony meets Harley, the small, very smart child. Yes. So we see that this kid has a pretty dark past, but he has a good sense of humor. He also has a potato gun, (laughs) which is if you're going after burglars, go after him with a potato gun. And he tells the kid that he's Iron Man. Straight up. So Harley is left in charge of the suit while Tony goes and does things. And Tony's just handing out weapons to children uh, because we find out that Harley's being bullied. Um, So Tony gives him this little, like, device thing that he told him to use if he's ever bullied again. But it is 100% a weapon from the Iron Man suit. And Tony's just handing out weapons to children. Yeah. And we also find out that Maya and Pepper are riding together. I don't know where they're going. Maya is, like, trying to get somewhere safe. And so Pepper is going with her uh, to try and help her out. And Maya is saying that, like, she thinks that her boss is working for the Mandarin. And then we all, like, she says that it is Aldridge Killian. And we get we get a scene of Killian talking to, I think it's Savin or Savin, however that's pronounced. The bald extremist experiment guy sidekick which actually all of the extremist agents i guess you could call them in this movie are based off of comic book characters that are completely different in the comics like the the guy that blew up at the chinese theater in the comics is a i think super villain named firepower ellen brandt who we see here in just a in, in a little while is in the comics the former fiance and villain of man thing uh which when we see her she actually has scars on her face which is a callback to the comics where ellen brandt has scars on her face that were given to her by man thing but while killian is on the phone he's like hey i've gotta go the master is is coming to film which is just a stupid fake out because it makes you think you know, still that the Mandarin is actually the one in charge. And I guess, I guess it's them doing like a code name for the Mandarin, but it's just, it's dumb and unnecessary. But then we, we get like kind of flashbacks between what's going on with the Mandarin filming and what is going on with Tony and Harley. We get Harley talking way too much. Yes. And Tony having a panic attack. Yes. Again, because Harley is talking too much. And and he's asking really personal questions. He's like, "What was space like? What did you almost die?" <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and it, it, like he obviously recognizes that this is bothering Tony, but he just keeps going. Nah, I guess and it's, that's children. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But then Tony goes and tries to find out information about the the guy that blew up, Chad Davis. Yes, uh, from his mother. Mother and happens to be there the same night that the 
that Ellen Brandt is coming to get the information as well. Uh, she is another one of the extremist experiments. They end up running around town, destroying things. We get the title of Tony Stark's autobiography, a cheap trick and a cheesy one-liner, which uh, well, is absolutely perfect. And will also probably be uh, the episode title. <laughs> Uh, very, very likely, yes. For some reason, I have in parentheses, we're connected, which is a quote. I don't... What is that yes, in reference to? That is that is after all of that happens, and Tony is able to kill Ellen, but Savin is still alive, but they are able to escape from him, but Tony needs to go find somewhere with better Wi-Fi, and Harley is trying to get him to stay, I think, or to take him with him, and uh, just the conversation there is really funny because because tony recognizes that harley is trying to manipulate him yes and tony gives zero craps <laughs> yeah and harley's like i'm cold and tony's like i know you want to know how i know because we're connected and then he drives away <laughs> and it is amazing the the scene that the mandarin is filming where he is threatening thomas richards of the roxon corporation which roxon in the comics is basically just an evil corporation that does whatever they they want to uh, for money and things. They they pop up in a lot of comics. They also pop up in a lot of MCU stuff. They've been in several movies already. That I think they are mentioned in at least the Daredevil Netflix series. But yeah, the the MCU likes to include Roxxon, but not really do anything with them. Yeah, that's true. We also see Tony looking at the file for when Chad Davis, like his military file, and at the very top it says uh, MIA, which most people would assume missing in action, which Tony finds out later it's not actually MIA, it's backwards for AIM. Yeah, he like flips the paper and realizes that the stamp was not actually an MIA stamp, it was an AIM stamp on the other side of the paper, because that's how... <sighs> Sorry, it's just, it's divisive. It's so divisive. Yeah, we also see Tony is in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he hacks into a news van, which that whole scene is hilarious because Tony sneaks into the van, is working on the computer, the news van owner opens the back, and he's like on the phone with somebody, and he's like, I gotta go, Tony Stark is in my van. <laughs> And he freaks out and he's like, oh my god, Tony Stark is in my van. Yeah, he, he's fashioned his look after Tony. He has a Tony tattoo that was based off of a doll that he made. This guy is crazy. But he helps Tony amp up the Wi-Fi signal, which is funny because Chattanooga, Tennessee is actually known for having some of the fastest Wi-Fi in the world. So this is obviously not made by someone who has been to Chattanooga. However... In this scene, we do get the Stanley cameo. Yes, because there's a beauty pageant going on where Tony is at, and yes. Stanley is one of the judges, and he gives one of the beauty con contestants a ten out of ten. Yeah, because it is the swimsuit portion of the beauty pageant. I imagine Stanley has given all of them tens. So we also see that Killian is testing the extremist stuff on people who are amputees, paraplegics, people who have been crippled, which is what he did to himself. He, yep. he used the extremist serum on himself. That's why he's gone through this crazy transformation and now he's this like hunk of a man. And we find out that Maya is bad because she is still working with Killian and has lured Pepper to this hotel room where Killian shows up and he's like, oh, well, hello, Pepper. It's time to take you with me. And I think it's in this scene that 
he makes the statement that he doesn't really care if she likes him anymore. That's not the goal. He wants her as a trophy. Yeah. She she is his trophy and also the bait for Tony Stark. Because Maya, Maya is still convinced that Tony can fix Extremis. And she thinks that he just needs the motivation to do it. And so she proposes, let's take Pepper instead of killing her. I also have in my notes, they have the Iron Patriot. I can't remember how they get the Iron Patriot suit, like with Rhodey in it. Uh, Rhodey is going to different locations, trying to find the source of the Mandarin broadcasts. Uh, and they keep pinging like locations in the Middle East. And he goes to one where he gets captured because there's a bunch of women in burqas. And the last one is actually an extremist soldier. Played by the actress that played the Wicked Witch in Once Upon a Time. She was also on Lost. She's a, a character actress that I see every once in a while, and she's only in this one scene, which is weird. But he gets captured, and Tony decides to go find the Mandarin. He is able to use Rhodey's access to AIM, like to the AIM system, with his password, War Machine Rocks, which is great. But using that access, he's able to hack into AIM, he's able to follow all of the pings, and he is able to figure out that's what he was doing in the news van was figuring out where they are broadcasting from. Which we find out is in Miami, Florida, not in one of the Middle East places. Yes. And it's cool because as he's doing this, like he's having to route through through that, broadcast it to Harley, who is helping him out still. And in the conversation that he has with Harley, where he's like, I don't have the suit, it's not charged yet, I don't know what to do, Harley's like, Well you you invent stuff, right? You're the mechanic, so just build something. And it's it's cool. It kinda shows that for Tony building and inventing brings him peace that's that's why he's been building the suits is because that that is the thing that that brings him peace other than pepper but he he has to find that balance and he's he hasn't yet but uh with with that new mission of of build something now that he knows that they're in miami he goes to a home depot and just buys a bunch of stuff and prepares a bunch of home loan gadgets essentially yeah so Tony, Tony makes his way through this compound until he finds the Mandarin, who is in fact a complete waste of Ben Kingsley because he finds out that the Mandarin is not actually the Mandarin. He is an actor named Trevor Slattery, who, who they gave plastic surgery to to make him look the way that he does. They promised to give him drugs if because he would he's do a, this. Because he's a drug addict and they pull him off the street. Yes, but he's an actor. And like Ben Kingsley is fantastic in this movie and they wasted him i swear he should have been the actual mandarin that is that is one of the biggest things about this movie that i think most people at least that i know had a huge problem with is they wasted the ability to make the mandarin into this awesome villain yes and he's just an actor named trevor yes because the mandarin is supposed to be this awesome villain and he's just He's just not. Killian is there. He he gets Rhodey out of the suit. Right. They heat the suit up and because they need the Iron Patriot suit to infiltrate and kill the president, which is the goal. So Killian comes and puts his hand on the Iron Patriot suit and f essentially he's trying to force Rhodey out of it. He's like, I'll bake you alive in there and I'll still get the suit so you can either come out now. Which we see something that's really funny is that the suit gives up before Rhodey does. 
because the suit pops open and Rhodey comes out swinging. Yeah, I'm trying to remember like the order the order of events that happens. I think it's that oh after okay after Tony finds Trevor Slattery, he gets knocked out by and captured by Savin. This is before Rhodey gets out, and then Tony gets tied up and Killian like reveals things to him like is explaining and maya for some reason has a change of heart because also we see that killian has injected pepper with the extremist serum thing so pepper is going through the transfer the transformation of and may explode right so unless tony fixes extremists then there you go and then for some reason Maya has a change of heart, threatens to kill herself with the extremist injection, and Killian shoots her because she is no longer important. He only needs Tony to fix what she has already done because she cannot fix it. She's admitted that herself. I do not understand why she had a change of heart. It makes no sense. Like, I don't... It's, again, it is divisive. Honestly, because she didn't sign up to take over the world. She just wanted to make the world a better place. From the get-go. She only used Killian because Killian, she made money off of the think tank that used extremists. So I think that was what made her have a change of heart. Is she realized that this was affecting so many more people and she saw the toll it was taking on Tony and Pepper and the world. I think it just took Tony being like, hi, this is bad for her to make that change of heart. Then why is she the one that's like, hey, let's take Pepper, let's use her as a way to get Tony to fix this. She knows about the Mandarin. She's fine with what's happening there. She she has been absolutely fine with everything that has happened up to this point. Maybe she's been afraid. Maybe she's just been afraid to speak up. That doesn't make it right, but maybe up until this point, she quietly sat by, which doesn't make her actively a bad guy, but still makes her a bad guy for sitting around and doing nothing. So maybe she had a change of heart when she saw that Tony standing up against it, even while chained to a bed in the basement of this place, Maya saw his determination and what he was willing to do not to bow to Killian, and it gave her the courage to speak up. Yeah. I mean, that could be what it is. I think my thing is that if that is what it is, the writing doesn't convey that. Like, the writing is not good enough to explain what's going on. And because of that, it seems very sudden and makes very little sense. Yeah. So once Rhodey escapes... Because they just let Rhodey go. He he just, like, slips out. Yeah, they, they get the suit, uh, they get him out of the suit, they take the Iron Patriot suit, and then they just leave him knocked out for some reason. Meanwhile, Tony is still tied to a bed, being guarded by two guys, and the suit finally gets charged enough and... Comes in pieces. Yeah, he's only good, only able to get a hand and a foot at first, but he uses those to escape, and... That is a pretty cool sequence, seeing him with just a couple pieces of that and, like, a gun that he gets off of one of the guards, and he makes his way, and Rhodey wakes up and makes his way. They end up together, and... Rhodey calls the vice president and is like, hey, the the Iron Patriot suit is not me, and it's gonna be on Air Force One with the president. Can we please do something about that? And the vice president is like, yeah, it's fine. I'll take care of it. And we see that the vice president's daughter uh, is an amputee. And yeah. so she's 
he's most likely working with maybe granddaughter well granddaughter yeah, very, yeah. very obviously because like he gets off the phone he's like we'll take care of it and then one of his secret service guys is like uh what's wrong and he's like oh nothing everything's going just fine like he, obviously he already knows about this he is part of it and i like my thing was it's it's always the vice president anytime like writers are getting lazy anytime the, the president is in danger it's always the vice president but at least this time we see that he's got a reason because of his granddaughter being an amputee like okay that makes sense other than just i want to be the president which is which is the dumb reason that it usually is yes and then we also get a scene where tony's flying around in the suit uh he saves the people off of Air Force One because they are falling to their death and he zooms around, he catches them, saves them, drops them in the water safe and sound. And we see that uh, Tony gets hit by a bus. The Iron Man suit gets hit by a bus. But thankfully, Tony's not inside the suit. He's controlling it. Yeah, he um, controlled it remotely. <laughs> but at 100%, I was like, wow, this is how this movie ends. This man just got hit by a bus. But some stuff does happen before that with Iron Patriot. Iron Patriot does infiltrate Air, the Air Force One and kills a lot of people. Yeah, he kills a lot of people. Iron Man shows up and he blows a hole, or Iron Patriot blows a hole in the plane. People fly out. Iron Man goes to save him. And, oh, it's not the, it, it's not Iron Patriot. It is uh, Seven. Sa no, Seven. Uh, Seven has put the Iron Patriot suit on the president, sent him away. And then Saban is fighting Iron Man and then gets blasted through the heart with the uh, chest piece. Right. And because they have regenerative properties, uh, when Tony finally blasts this guy through the through the chest, he goes, walk away from that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Saban definitely, definitely dies there. It, it's kind of funny. Before before all of that, when they go, Tony shows Rhodey Trevor Slattery. There is a funny line there where he just goes, this is the Mandarin. And Tony goes, yeah, I know. It's embarrassing. And I personally think that is is the perfect explanation of this movie. Yeah. But, yeah, Air Force One uh, gets taken out. Tony saves everybody. The Iron Man suit gets hit by a bus and explodes into many pieces. And the president is in the Iron Patriot suit that has been sent to Killian on off the coast of Pensacola, which is very close to where we are. Yes. And when I saw this, my first thought was, why is Pensacola so popular in movies because there have been several movies lately that i have seen that pensacola is mentioned or they go to pensacola and i was just like why why pensacola but yeah they go they go to pensacola they go to rocks on norco which is the name of the ship yes uh the the ship there which killian makes a comment about how this was the the ship that caused an oil spill in like 2012 or something like that which is very obviously a reference to the 2010 oil spill that happened in the Gulf of Mexico. We also get to see Rhodey and Stark figure out where the president's gone and go to save Pepper and the president. Just them, no suits. Yeah. This is the first time I've seen Tony in a fight, like a large-scale fight, without his suit on. Not, not that he does well. No, he does not do well. He's a terrible shot. Rhodey is a fantastic shot because, you know, he is... But also, Tony has no military training. Exactly. He's a, he's literally a civilian. Yeah, and I mean, like, he he has some fighting training, but it's like hand-to-hand. Because -hand. we see earlier on, we see him practicing on a wooden dummy. Which, fun fact about that, the, the wooden dummy that he uses is a 
uh, Wing Chun uh, wooden dummy, which Robert Downey Jr. actually has training in Wing Chun and has been practicing in it for a long time and actually uses it in the Sherlock Holmes film. So that that is more of a Robert Downey Jr. thing than Tony Stark. But Tony does have some hand-to-hand training, not necessarily with guns. Right. So we see that he is, he's very bad at, at what he do. So Killian finds out that they're there, and mm-hmm. it's basically a Tony versus Killian fight. No suits, just the two of them, which... Uh, they get to a point where Tony's pretty beaten down, and Tony calls the Mark 42, and it saves his life. Tony is able to get to where Pepper is, and then explosions are happening because of extremists, and Tony uses the house house party protocol, which is all of the suits flying and helping. And so what, what ensues is a fight, mostly between the suits and the extremist soldiers, but also there's an explosion that knocks... Pepper and like traps her and Tony is trying to get to her. Killian is trying to stop them. There's a lot of hand-to-hand stuff. There's a lot of Tony going and getting getting suits on him and then killing the uh, Killian ripping them off of him and all of this and there's a there's a lot of back and forth. There's also a lot of call-outs to specific suits that have specific roles. So he calls one of the suits Igor, which is one of the heavy lifter suits. And uh, Heartbreaker, Red Snapper. Uh, there's one that has drills for hands or whatever they were. But it's just cool to see all the different types of suits and like what they all do. And that Tony's work hasn't gone to waste up until this point. Yes, it's very reminiscent of the 1995, I think. The, the, the 1990s cartoon of Iron Man. Because he's got a lot of suits that do a lot of different things. But... Yeah, it's, it's a really fun scene, seeing all of the different suits that he's got. We also see that Rhodey is a incredibly good shot, which you mentioned earlier, but during this fight scene, he doesn't... Does he get the Iron Patriot suit back? Yes, he, he does a crazy rescue of the president by... Uh, the president is being suspended above the, the oil tanker by these cables and Rhodey zip lines down one of them disconnects it and then swings with the president and shoots the other cable so that they will fall on the platform that he wants which is just a crazy crazy shot but then he gets the president out of the iron patriot suit and gets back into it himself and then flies off with the president and pepper falls like actually falls and tony like she falls into this fiery abyss and Tony assumes that she dies, which spurs Tony on to fight Killian even harder. Because Tony doesn't have anything to lose at this point. Right. And so the Mark 42 finally shows up. Uh, Tony makes a comment about the prodigal son returning. And it actually traps Killian inside of it, the Mark 42 does. And Tony makes it self-destruct. Yeah. Which Killian still survives. Right. And he's about to kill Tony because Tony's used all of his options at this point. Yeah, they, they end up at like on the deck of the tanker and he sees that Pepper is still alive. But then he realizes that the suits are going to target Pepper. He loses his earpiece and so he's not able to let them know, hey, don't target her. One of them comes flying and she like jumps up and grabs the suit, like just punches a hole through the middle of it, puts on the repulsor hand. Yeah, the hand repulsor kicks a missile at Killian and then shoots it to blow it up right at him because he survived a suit self-destructing around him. 
but he definitely isn't going to survive this missile explosion because that's that's the one that he's not supposed to survive but right right before that though we do get the line of killian yelling i am the mandarin which you're not there's no there's no point at this point in the movie to claim the title of being the mandarin and it's just bad yeah and during that scene that you were discussing pepper is a absolute unit in that scene because she like i said like I said earlier, uh, she had been injected with the extremist serum, so that's how she was able to survive the fall, but she also knocks Killian out with, like, a lead pipe, and she completely demolishes those suits. And she, like, looks at Tony at one point, and she's like, what? what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And Tony's like, we'll fix you, it's fine! Uh, and then Tony has the clean slate protocol, where all of the suits destroy themselves. Yeah, and it is... It is his Christmas present to to Pepper because this entire movie happens at Christmas time, which this is actually the most successful movie set at Christmas time ever made. But it, it is set at Christmas time in the same way that Die Hard and most other Shane Black movies are set at Christmas time, in that there's not a whole lot of mention of Christmas other than a few times. But yeah, we get the clean slate protocol. We also see that they arrest the vice president for aiding and abetting a terrorist. Yep. Um, and we they kind of wrap things up in a neat little bow at the end because we see that Tony fixes Pepper so that she's not a fire person anymore. Yeah, he, he figures out extremists and figures out how to cure it. He gets his shrapnel re removed. Yeah, the whole, is, the whole purpose of having the arc reactor in his chest, he gets that shrapnel removed. Yeah, because suddenly that is no longer a problem. That is one of the biggest cop-outs in any superhero movie honestly that i've ever seen and i hate it it is one of my least favorite parts of the mcu he also fixed up harley's house and slash shed he got him a bunch of new cool equipment and he got him the potato gun mark ii he also replaced the door of the explorer watch that was a very comedic relief throughout the beginning of the movie that was so funny we didn't even mention right he also threw his arc reactor into the ocean, which, why would you do that? That is sought-after technology, and this man's just yeeting it into the ocean. Yeah, yeah, what if what if somebody finds that? What if somebody uses it to make whips? Anyways, uh, so yeah, Tony goes back to his house, where his house was, in Malibu, California, and throws his arc reactor into the ocean, and he saves Dummy, the little dummy crane arm, uh, he saves him from the wreckage. And he's, like, doing this, like, monologue, and at the very end, he says, I am Iron Man. Yep. Which, every movie has had that. Which, uh, you know, that was, the whole point of the movie was asking if it's the suit or the person that makes the hero, and he finally figures out that it's it's him, he's Iron Man. It's not the suit. Which we knew. Which we were aware of. Tony was just having an insecure moment, they needed to make a movie about it. Yeah. Character arcs. But then we get the, the after credit scene of we find out who it is that Tony is explaining all of this to. It is Bruce Banner who has fallen asleep and Tony is like, where what, where did I lose you? And he just goes, um, Switzerland? And Tony is very upset that he did not listen to him, but as Bruce says, he's not that kind of doctor. I'm a scientist, not a doctor. <laughs> But yeah, so that's uh, that's Iron Man three. Yeah, that that's Iron Man three. There there were good moments, but overall, I, I think it was you okay. can tell I don't like this movie. Yes, you got very cynical towards the latter half towards, of this movie. Towards the end, there are so many things that happen that I just I don't I don't like. So I think that is now time for our rating. Yep. 
what would you rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 10 as just a normal, normal movie? Because honestly, I I did enjoy this movie. It was better than I remembered it being, which is true for most of the movies that we've watched. We I feel like we always say that. It's better than what we remember. So as a movie, I'm probably going to rate this a 6. Just as a normal movie, a 6. I, I can't bring myself to give it anything more than a 4. I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of it. As a movie... Maybe I would go as far, like, as, as high as five, just because it's still Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Guy Pierce. Like, the, the actors in it are good. The acting itself is, is good, as always, but the writing is so bad, and it's so divisive. They wasted Ben Kingsley, and I just, nah, I gotta go with four on it. So as a superhero movie, what would you rate this movie? <laughs> I can see your face, and you're still so unimpressed. I'm extremely unimpressed because this isn't a superhero movie. It's really not. It's not. It It, it is. Tony Stark has an existential crisis. T Tony Stark as regular man. Tony Stark tries to figure out if he's the hero or if the suit that he built is the hero. Tony Stark has imposter syndrome. Tony Stark answers a question that everyone already knew. I'm going to go with a three. I'm going to go with a, a 1.2. What a very precise and also low number. Very low. I don't like this movie. Okay, well, <laughs> well, we have our ratings. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie before we wrap things up? I, d I do want to say that my rating as a movie in general, definitely a four. I'm going back to four on that. And that's it. I don't, I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> We just wanted to say thank you guys for coming back for season two of The Marvelous Duo. We're kicking it off strong with who's such a good movie. <laughs> I'm so sorry that this is the first movie. We're going in order. Our next episode, we are discussing Thor The Dark World. And we also have a guest host. Guest host. Guest. I mean, we're the hosts. It's just a guest. So the next episode, we will have a guest on. It is our friend Jacob. And he will be defending Thor the Dark World. We've already recorded that episode, if you didn't know that. He didn't really have to defend it. He did not. Unlike Iron Man 3, Thor the Dark World was another movie that I did not remember liking a whole lot, but after rewatching, maybe my views changed. You'll find out in the next episode. So yeah, we just want to say thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you guys for listening and supporting us. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter for updates about when new episodes are going to launch. This one, the next episode, Thor the Dark World, will release two weeks from today. As always, a special thanks to Mikhail Biro. I do hope that I pronounced that name correctly. Maybe one day I'll find out for sure. But a special thanks to him for the use of his music for our theme song. You can find the link to his YouTube in the description. And as always... You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Marvelous Duo. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay marvelous, you beautiful people. And also have a marvelous day. Bye.